Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. Happy New Year! This is our first episode of 2024. We'll all be writing 2023 and then scribbling the three out and putting a four in for the next six months. And then we'll get used to it and then the year will happen again. So this is Modern Society. And this episode we watch 1988's Rain Man and 1988's The Wizard. I think The Wizard was technically 89, was it? Uh, maybe. Very short distance between them, but I do think it was 89. Oh yeah, you're right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I failed you all. I failed okay, you all. Okay, um, that's the end of the podcast. Yeah, um, <laughs> So no these, these are two movies about a guy... Taking advantage of somebody <laughs> no. on the autism spectrum. <laughs> a guy kidnapping his brother, uh, who is on the autism spectrum, from a mental institution and taking him on a road trip to Los Angeles and along the way discovering that he has a secret hidden talent and also gambling at a city in Nevada. Yep. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. <laughs> um, I had never seen The Wizard. You'd never seen Rain Man either, right? No, but it's like everything you absorb, like... There are too many shows and too many things that are taking part of it, and it's yeah. like osmosis at that point. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I just, this is one that I've heard people talking about a lot. Like before we were doing this podcast, I heard people comparing these movies. Um, and I can the whole understand why. Not this, this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, yeah. before we, before it takes two was even conceived of. Um, this was a comparison that I heard quite a bit, and um, understandably so. We did, people might be wondering if this is one of our fun episodes, because it's not on a on a five, but it is not classed as a fun episode, because I think they're too similar. They are too similar. They are, and also the twin films, because they're released within a year of each other. Yes. So they are uh, very much twin films. One definitely feels like potentially a rip-off of the other, um, but probably when it was in production, I don't think Wayman was out when... You know, when, when The Wizard would have been written. So I don't know to what extent it was ripping that off. Or to what extent it just was something that was in the minds of people at the time. There is some scenes in it, which I'll get into in a bit, in The Wizard, that it just feels like rip-offs of other movies, but I'll get into that. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. This is, I mean, I, I did say going into it that it was going to possibly feel a little bit like the E.T. Mac and Me comparison. Um, where then you brought up that Mac and Me is a McDonald's commercial, but um, I do think the Wizard is a Nintendo commercial. It's a hundred percent a Nintendo commercial. <laughs> it's um, even got the Power Glove. Yeah, yeah. So the Power Glove was a failed controller prototype. Um, for those who were born uh, this side of nine eleven, um, <laughs> it's it was like this thing, like this. Like, um, I think the best, I think the best, um, piss take of the Power Glove, I think it's from, uh, Kung Fury. Right. Because he, like, uses the Power Glove to hack him back in time. And actually yeah, yeah, hacks Hacker Man. Yeah, Hacker Man hacks him back in time. Um, it was an interesting controller concept, and, you know, it, it you know, the well, failure it, of it did. It worked for Lucas in the movie. Did it, though? Because watching it. End. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, but I'm, I'm saying, watching the scene where Lucas, who's, like, the rival of the movie, there are two rivals of the movie, actually. Um, 
Every villain in that movie is bizarre. Comical and bizarre. Um, it really put back the concept of, like, imaginative controllers. Mm. And, you know, like, hoitus being a thing, which for those who are un- uninitiated is what people who are super obsessed with plane flying um, that either can't or uh, can't, can't afford or can't physically take pilot's license tests or can, you know, because they're very expensive. You don't actually pay very much for the tests. It's the... Licensing? No, it's the fuel that's really expensive. Right. Um, it's cheaper to buy your own plane. I saw a thing on it recently. Um, but yeah, the hoitus, which are, you know, like it's the throttle, it's the pedals, it's the joystick, it's every other button. Like I've seen setups that are like probably cost as much as a Cessna to set up in your own home. Um... You know, other than those, you know, fighting controllers, you know, fighting sticks, those are big. Um, but other than that, there are really no super creative, outside of VR, obviously, super creative controllers. Mm. And I think the failure of the Power Glove contributed that, if not yeah. the reason for it. Um, but we're getting off topic here, which is half the reason you listen to the podcast and half the reason you despise me. <laughs> um the wizard, no, so one of the people I personally listen to, um, you may know him from uh, Welcome to Night Vale, Cecil Baldwin, talks a lot about uh, the openings of movies. Mm. And oh my god, is the wizard overly dramatic and yeah. insane. I was going to say, the wizard is so weird because it like half the time it's trying really hard to be a dramatic movie. And then the other half of the time, it's so overly um, exaggerated and cartoonish that it's clearly a children's movie. Yeah. And it's like it can't quite decide what it wants to be. Yeah, the I'll describe this to you uh, for those who haven't seen this um, cult-following movie. Um, it opens on a open, de- like, desert highway with a small boy... And his lunch pail walking down um, oncoming traffic. And the music is building. And I can't remember the song. Do you remember what the song was? Um, I, oh, um, no. Was it? I don't remember there was one mentioned in the... But I can't remember which movie it was in. Yeah. No, I think it was in the other one. So the song's building and building. And then... A small, single-prop plane flies over the boy and makes a radio call that they've located the boy and the police sheriff, I think it's a sheriff, turns up in, mm. his, in his jeep and stops the boy. And the sheriff... The, interesting, because that whole sequence made no sense. They've deployed a plane to search for the child. Mm-hmm. But then when the sheriff arrives, doesn't know what to do with the child. Yeah. Um... And the boy's just like, California, and keeps walking, and the, the cop is just like, no, 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 you're getting in the back. And he's like, what do I do with this kid? And like, oh, I'll bring him back to his parents, and they take him back to this institution where they're talking about putting him there permanently. Um, you, what you find out is that he's in care, he's not showing any improvement, all he does is build monuments and talk about California. He is very closed shell, um, not a lot of, like, I think it's like 
it's a hundred minute long movie and I think it was like not until like 40 minutes approximately 40 minutes in where you actually get a line of dialogue yeah and everyone is surprised that, yeah. that he speaks um so he is very very he- heavy on the spectrum um and which they never mention yeah so and and the assumption from wider audiences is that they don't mention it because Rain Man came out first and they didn't want people to draw comparisons. <laughs> um, because in Rain Man they very much speak to him being autistic. Yeah. And you get this scene where, like, the mother of the child is still very connected to the child. She's not disattached. Mm-hmm. The other character you get introduced is the stepfather, who's mm-hmm. her new wife, a uh, husband. Yeah. Her new husband. And it took me a long time watching this movie to find out what he was in general in relationship. Yeah. Because where it comes off in the beginning was he was incredibly argumentative. It was like he was trying to take the child away from her. Um... You know, this, this, you know, he's getting, like, it, it was like, I thought he was the mayor in the beginning, or the guy running the institution that was trying to take the kid away. Mm. Like, I, I thought he confusing. was the dad, and I was like, oh, I thought this was a movie about brothers, because then it switches to yeah. the other kids, and I'm like, oh, so they're not brothers, because yeah. these guys have a different... They're not duck brothers. They're yeah, not duck brothers. Um, they, they're with Bo Bridges as their dad, and then it turns out Bo Bridges is the dad of all three kids, yeah. and... um. But the the mother has custody of the youngest. Yeah. Um, Rain Man's tone is completely different in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, Tom Cruise is introduced as this weird backdoor dealing and, like, exotic car importing weirdo. Yeah. Who's trying to screw over the EPA mm-hmm. um, over emissions levels, which makes sense importing European cars into America. They had different emission levels that were allowed... Um, and he's basically got the entire future of his business riding on this transaction, which is like four Ferraris, I think there were Ferraris. Mm. Um, I'm not a car guy. Yeah, I I, I could go onto that car website that I've discovered, but it's not worth it. Um, for those who don't know, there's an entire website dedicated to every single car in every single movie ever made. If you ever want to know the make and model of a car that's in a movie, there is, I think it's just called the Internet Movie Car Database, you know? Um, and it's uh, you can find the make and model of the cars in any movie, yeah. and I mean any movie because I was looking it up for some very obscure B movies, <laughs> um, and finding accurate information. The um, yeah, his entire business is riding on this transaction, which is terrifying if you're you're um, you're in your own business having your you know entire future based on one trans uh, one tra- tra- what's the word I'm looking for. Transaction, thank you. Um, then you turn out that his, that his girlfriend of a year is also working there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they're going away on holiday. And that's when Tom Cruise gets a call about his father passing away. Yep. That's pretty much the like the opening like introduction to everything. You get yep. the, the family with Christian Slater playing the older brother. You get uh, Fred Samford. Freddy, yeah, Fred Savage. Fred yeah. Savage, known for Wonder Years as the older but not oldest brother in the family. The, the middle child. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I think it's stated that Christian Slater's character was 
uh, a half brother with their dad's yeah. other yeah. or first wife, and then yeah, um, so he's on two divorces at this point. As yeah, we know. but from his cooking, I can see why. Um, trying to make casserole and like literally eats it and then almost vomits in his mouth. It's hilarious because um, it's like, yep, that's. It reminds me of when people were cooking for their kids during lockdown, and the kids were like, um. Yeah, you just get this very different tone, even though the movies are very similar. Mm. Um, you know, you, you the revealment that uh, that uh, Tom Cruise has an older brother, a much older brother, who'd been put in home um, because obviously the family couldn't look after him. And again, he's very high on the spectrum um, and can't deal with emotions and deals with things in a different way to... Um, neurotypical people mm. and you know they're, they're, the thing the, the other total difference between these two movies is the people looking after the children and well looking after Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man are actually caring and know what's good for Charlie oh Raymond sorry yeah for Raymond yeah um, Charlie's the other character yeah um, yeah they really care about him but and they in, want what's best for him and they know how to look after him and they you know they know all his idiosyncrasies and, you know, everything about his personality. Yeah. They've been looking after him for, what, 40 years? Yeah, something like that? ridiculous. Um, I can't remember the, the time frame, but, you know, a minimum 30 years. Yeah. And then you have the other tone, which is very, very different. So Fred Savage divide, decides that, you know what, if you want to go to California, I'm going to take you to California. We're going to California. We're running away from home. We're yeah. going to California. And the response is to sick this deranged oh my God. child kidnapper. Yeah, who I a I professional job exclusively referred to him as the child catcher in my yeah. notes. Um, I think he's he's credited under a name Putnam. I think he refers to himself by his own surname, which yeah. is weird to me. Imagine I was I, like, Doyle those, does this. Yeah, for the, for those who haven't seen this movie, I will describe him to you. <laughs> He is... He's a bounty hunter. Yeah. He's a bounty hunter exclusively for children. Yeah. Um, he has... He's a wiry, weird-looking dude with a receding hairline and glasses. And he comes off as trying to intimidate people, but he just comes off as, like, the creepy uncle. Mm. And if you are a parent... This is the last person you would ever hire to look after your kids in a controlled setting. Yeah. Let alone go find them out in the wild. Track them down. Yeah, and the and the what really gets me about it is his he's supposed to be finding these children, and yet most of the things he does are just trying to hinder the parents from finding the children. Yeah, because if he he literally says it, he says yeah. it. If 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 someone else finds a child, he doesn't get paid. So so instead of putting his efforts into looking for the children, he puts his efforts into like slashing the dad's tires and and yeah. stuff like that. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Who is this character? Like you think that the dad then would get on? I mean, go to a payphone, I guess, and yeah, yeah. call the mother and be like, listen, I don't know who this guy is that you found, but you need to stop him. Yeah. This is a criminal. Yeah. That you're sending after our children. It's very bizarre. It's a, yes. You know, you have this very serious movie with Rain Man, and yeah. then you have this comical, like, slapstick, but, like, super overly dramatic movie, I assume, aimed at children. 
when the writers put you know paper paper on the table from in front of the execs. Um, but you just get this weird mismatch of like some serious stuff happens in that movie and it's just glossed over. It takes me back to spoilers for the movie um, um, Gremlins, which is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Um, which we brought up in the in the in the podcast we did with uh, Gremlins and Critters. She, uh, one of the characters talks about how her dad died by dressing <laughs> is, up as Santa. I think Claus. this has got to be at least the fourth time we've mentioned this it's, on the podcast. <laughs> It's not mentioned for the rest of the movie, and the main character is just like, oh, okay, that's why you don't like Christmas, and then just moves on. It's like you, your potential romantic interest just told you that her that, dad, that they, her dad went missing, and they found him in the fireplace, yeah, dead, and dressed decaying. as Santa Claus, broken neck, decaying, and oh they were like, what God. the hell's that smell? It must be a dead raccoon, and the no, it's your dead dad who Horrifying. tried to climb down the chimney to pretend to be Santa also, Claus. Also, why would that be what you do? Don't actually climb down a chimney. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna pretend to be Santa Claus, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. The real Santa Claus has magic that lets him do that. It's magic. Sure. I've seen that before Christmas. <laughs> I've seen the Santa Claus. I've seen the Grinch who stole Christmas. Well, the Grinch doesn't have magic. He just is like a. He's like a cat, I think. You know, yeah, the way they, they turn into liquid. Yeah. Yeah, it's just. It's very bizarre. The tone is very bizarre. Yeah, Rain Man is, is uh, you know, Tom Cruise finds out he has a brother, finds out his brother, his dad's literally screwed him out, like, over the money. So his brother has now inherited $3 million, and the only thing his brother inherited was a classic car mm-hmm. that he allegedly stole. As a teenager. As a teenager. Yeah. And he was just like, here's the freaking car you want, kid. Like, yeah. you know, you your... And I mean, I get it, because the money is obviously to look after Raymond. Yeah, I un- than... understand the father's, like, point of view. Yeah. Even it's... though you never meet him and he's dead. And you get it, um, you know, Charlie says it towards the end of the movie, that, like, um, you know, how this started off was that he was mad that his dad didn't give him, or that his, his dad cheated him out of the money in the will. Um, but then he was like, you know, in reality, if my son treated me the way I treated my dad, I would do the same. Yeah. He said, what I'm really mad about is that no one ever told me I had a brother. Yeah. Um, which is sad. Yeah. So, yes, let's, let's get into the discovery of their magical abilities. Okay. Um. Jimmy, little Jimmy. Little Jimmy is a wizard. Yeah. Therefore, the name of the movie. Uh, at video games. Yep. And this is how we get into the rest of the entire movie is a one giant ad for Nintendo. Yep. Uh, I've already mentioned the Power Glove, every single game and IP you see in the rest of the movie, including the dad who gets super into video games. Oh my God. And the the whole, like, the, the dad and the older brother are yep. out on the road looking for them. And the older brother, like, they're at, like, a, a, gar- a garage or whatever. And, and the older brother plugs... A Nintendo into the TV there and just starts playing Nintendo. And dad's yeah. like, you can't just do that. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you can. You just plug it in. <laughs> you can play anywhere. It's Nintendo. Yeah. Um, and then, like, he does it in the hotel room. And then the dad gets really into it. And then the next time that they're getting their car looked after, the dad has brought the Nintendo and plugged yeah. it in. Wow, guys. It's so portable. 
Did you know you can plug your <laughs> Nintendo anywhere? So they start off hustling, uh, hustling at arcade machines with locals. Yeah. Uh, they meet a girl at a bus stop. Named Haley. Yeah, Haley. I don't know why. I don't know why this is the movie of all the movies we've watched that I have actually like mem- remembered the names of the characters. Yeah. There's so often we watch movies that I'm like name goes in, name goes out. Yeah. Haley's story is far more interesting. Yeah. Um, because her dad is a trucker. Her friends are all truckers. Her mother was a showgirl. She had great legs. Yeah. Which and is a real line that a small child says about her dead mother yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Um, she knows the rules of the road, uh, which turns out isn't because when they hustle a couple of kids and then they take a ride in the back of a livestock carrying vehicle, which is just like a converted, long-bedded um, pickup truck, they get, like, to the middle of nowhere... And then they just get robbed for, like, 60 bucks. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's and another, like, like, weird... I, I count those guys in the weird villains of this movie. Yeah. And also the kids, the weird bully kids who, who steal their shit. Yeah. What is going on in that movie? Yeah, it's just, like, it's almost like it's not safe for small children to be traveling themselves. I traveling mean, that's true, but, like, but like, why are all the villains... Why are there, first of all, so many villains rather than just, like, pe- people yeah. who are bad? They're villains, and they're, like, cartoonish. Yeah. And they behave in such weird ways. Yeah. Um, Haley is incredibly good at craps. Yes. Um, to the point where she doesn't even need to see the table. Because her mother had a gambling addiction. Yeah. But which, is, still, which is kind of glossed over a little bit. Yeah, but still, I don't care if you, if your family member has a gambling addiction, it doesn't automatically make you good at gambling. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that people have gambling addictions is because they're usually, bad at gambling. They're bad at gambling <laughs> and they don't know how to stop. Yeah. Um, you know, for those people who are suffering, like just like a little bit of throw out here, like get some help. Um, you know the. There are ways you can gamble online for free. Now, don't get me wrong. There are ways you can gamble for real money online. I'm just saying there are ways to sort of... Get the get the hit without get, actually... Yeah, without spending money. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of games online you can play that are basically gambling, except you don't actually have to pay any real money, except for buying the game. And I would recommend those. Um, I've never met anybody who is a successful gambler. Like, they're, they don't exist. Because I mean, eventually the house always wins. And that's the reason why it says the house always wins. The successful gambler is one who knows when to quit. Yeah. A successful gambler is one that goes on holiday to Vegas and gets gambling lessons. Isn't that correct, my co-host, Lisa? <laughs> no, because I did not successfully gamble. <laughs> I did get gambling lessons, so yeah. that was fun. That was my uncle paid for those because yeah. he found out that I liked gambling. <laughs> Uh, for the record, I don't believe I have a gambling addiction. I'm very, and I, I'm good at not doing gambling. We did though. I mean, when we went to Ireland, we bought a lot of tickets in every county we went through. Yeah. That's how I how I feed the demons. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um there's a. There's I was a... gonna say my dad. I would consider a successful gambler. Because yeah. my dad's idea of gambling is, I go to the casino, I win exactly the cost of my hotel room, and then I stop. Yeah. Um. Which is my idea of success. Yeah. It's, um, let's, let's talk about Raymond. 
Mm. Dustin Hoffman's acting in this movie is fantastic. I know you're going to hit us with some trivia later. Um, Are you assuming there's bad trivia? No, I'm assuming you looked at the trivia of how he got into character and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you looked into it? I, I know of it. I don't want to yeah. spoil it for the audience. Um, including one of my favorite ad-libbed moments in the entire history of any movie ever. Um, is it the fart? It's the fart. Um, so yes, Dustin doesn't like flying, so he refuses to fly from Cincinnati to LA, so they go on a road trip in the, in the, in dad's car, and you sort of get this unfolding, you know, very much like in our previous episode of planes, trains, and automobiles, when you get two people who don't know each other very well in a tight space, there Mm -hmm. is some friction that happens. Um, obviously, you know, Tom Cruise is getting updates from home about, you know, where is he? Why is he not here? The creditors are coming. You, you flunked your loan. The people aren't happy. The EAP aren't happy. Like EPA, EPA sorry. EAP is a different thing. The EPA, employee assistance program yeah, are the, not happy. Yeah. Um, it's going to cost them more money. It's like, uh, I think it was like $10,000 per vehicle. He's only going to make 84, 85 grand from selling the vehicles, and now 40 of it is going mm-hmm. to this. He's not going to be able to pay his loan back. His girlfriend's disappeared because she's just like, you're kidnapping your brother because you can't get the $150 million, Oh, sorry, $150, wow, $3 million. So you're mm-hmm. just going to like steal your brother and then try and blackmail the doctor for one point five. Yeah, he's literally holding, holding his brother ransom. Yeah. Um, kidnapping's the big word. He, he came with me willingly. Um, the whole, True, but he also doesn't... Yeah, he doesn't function yeah, he, in a way where he, he would understand... He doesn't have the cognitive abilities yeah. to make that decision, which and, they prove later when they're asking him, do you want to do this? And he's like, yep, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, what about this? And he's like, yep, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can't do both. And yeah. he's like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. Dustin Hoffman's portrayal is absolutely fantastic for yeah. the movie. But yeah, the okay. fart sequence, for those who don't know, who haven't seen Green Man, <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise is in a old school phone box with the door shut, and Dustin in there, and he's talking about how it's very small and very cramped, and that it's not a good place to wear a backpack in. And of course, the time Cruise is like, I'm on an important phone call, and talking, talking, talking. And then Dustin Hoffman, in real life, farted, farted in the thing. And, and of, of course, in Dustin Hoffman standards, stayed in character. And then Tom Cruise is like, what is, what is... How can you live with yourself? And he's just like, I like it. And then they just, oh, it's just such a great moment. Yeah, it's very real. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, such a great moment in a movie. Mm. Just for them to leave, like, for it to be one ad-libbed. Because it's so real. You could, Yeah, because you couldn't write that. You couldn't write it that. It wouldn't work if you wrote, and then he farts in the book, and yeah. then they say this, yeah. you know? Um, and it's just something that happened and then he just was like, okay, I'll just stay in character, I'll react to it as the character would. Because the other best ad-libbed moment, I think, for me in, in cinema history, not a person I very much... Pers- Acting-wise, good chops, don't like him as a person. The Will Smith scene in uh, Independence Day. Which one? Uh, where he's dragging the alien in his parachute, spoilers... Dragging the alien in his parachute across the flats to get to the army base. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, what the hell is that smell? And starts kicking the shit out of the, out of the alien corpse. 
um, is because they're on a flat that used to be a lake, and when like, there is literally like a rancid like fish smell. Yeah. Um, and of course, like obviously, it's very hot. Obviously, the the you know the scene would have gone on for a while. The the dummy that you know Will Smith is dragging. You know, he's got all these lines. He looked very sweaty, so I'm assuming it was a very, very warm day. The smell would have got to him, and he just, like, absolutely snaps. And just, you know, that's an absolutely fantastic smell. It's just like, what the hell is that smell? Um, also ad-libbed, because it really did stink. Um, yeah, so one of, those, one of those absolutely fantastic moments. The, uh, obviously, Alien is another one. Mm-hmm where they didn't tell the cast what was going to happen, and you can see the cast members break character yeah. as they're squirted with liters of uh, fake human blood. Um, anyway, yeah, Dustin Hoffman, every, every betrayal, like, one, he, he makes us the, the, the threat, the, the ransom for his brother. Um, he's looking, his brother wants to eat pancakes, he's looking for a toothpick, the waitress helps him out and drops the toothpick. Um, box and the toothpicks fall on the ground and he instantly counts them as we all know from osmosis of like Rain Man scenes that have been put into various forms of other TV shows and, and, yeah. and parodies and then the he's like oh how much is in a box oh 250 well not bad brother you're like pretty close and she's like there was four left in the box so he's yeah. like Oh, okay, that's interesting. Also, he knows the waitress's phone number because... He, he read the phone book. Yeah, he sees yeah. her n- name and he has memorized the phone book as far as halfway through the G's. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, the, the names that he says he's memorized to are, his, are Dustin Hoffman's actual um, mother and father-in-law. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's memor- he literally just sees her name and is able to recite her phone number to her. It's weird. It's, um... It'd be unsettling if you were a waitress. Yeah, in this day, that day and age, that would be like, I'm calling the police. <laughs> yeah, oh God, I've been doxxed. Yeah. IRL. Yeah. Because you have to pay extra. Well, you do in New Zealand, I don't know what it's like. Um, if you have a landline, you have to pay the landline company not to put your name. Like, oh, in the phone book? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think in Ireland you could just, I mean, it's been a long time since I lived somewhere where we had a landline. I think you could just choose whether you had to like select a thing whether to yeah. opt out of it or not. In the states, like you can just even if someone doesn't do that, you can just find their details online. I mean, it might, it's probably different now. Now that doxing and stuff is a big thing, but like in the two thousands, I was able to find out information about people and and where they lived and you know all of that stuff that you would normally have to pay for somewhere else yeah. was just publicly available. Yeah, which was nuts to me. Different time. Mm. Um, yeah, anonymity a little bit. Anonymity? Anonymity? Thank you. Um, it's that, that damn old three-syllable word, words. Oh, my God, now it's... <laughs> I'm it's losing a, it. It's a five-syllable word. Is it? Anonymity. That's too many, that's too many syllables. Um, <laughs> why are you paying for two extra syllables you're not using? Uh, where was I? Yeah, so, yeah, Dustin Hoffman has a secret hidden ability, a superpower where he can count things very quickly. He's also very good at maths, remembering things. He's got a, like... It, it did some damage to the actual community because people assumed when they found out that people were like the, the character portrayed by Dustin Hoffman, um, they thought that every single one of them had this, like, 
crazy and inability to, you know, be so able to remember everything. And here's the thing about yes. that. That's something that I hear people talk about a lot. Um, that, you know, the character was a stereotype. That, you know, people aren't really like that. Or that, you know, there's not enough done in the film to indicate that it's a spectrum, etc., etc. Yeah. So I had some looking into it. And um, so the movie came out in 1988. Yeah. Is that what we said? Well, that's when the movie came out. Yep. Yeah. Do you want to know... When it was revealed, when it was kind of discovered that it was a spectrum or put into sure. things, nineteen ninety four. Oh, interesting. The first time that they realized that it was actually a spectrum disorder, uh, in so autism was first described, or the the word autism was first used medically in nineteen eleven, uh, uh, to describe some symptoms related to schizophrenia. Right. Um. It wasn't until nineteen forty three that um, the condition known as aut or the disorder known as autism was was kind of discovered and coined. Yeah. Um but believed to be still connected to schizophrenia potentially and also only occur in children. Yeah. Um it was nineteen eighty, um, that was the first time that infantile autism was listed in the, the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders. Right. Uh, 1987, one year before this film was released, is the first time that the DSM changed the name to Autism Disorder and admitted that it occurs in adults. Right. So, I think that um, it's kind of like what we've talked about in some of our Pride episodes, where in the lens of 2023, looking at it, you can look at it and say, oh, but, you know, this isn't representative of people with autism spectrum disorders this doesn't go into it being a spectrum um this is a stereotype this is whatever at the time that it was made no one knew anything about autism right it was not and it was so unusual to have a lead character and a title character who had an autism spectrum disorder and also to portray them as human yeah um, like that was literally unheard of at the time. And I think, sure, it's not a perfect portrayal, especially looking at it, at, at, you know, in, from today's understanding of things. But I think you need to take it in context and say, actually, in 1988, that was revolutionary. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's how I feel about some of the, you know, queer films from the 90s, that they're, there's, they're far from perfect representations yeah. but they are like in context of the time um it was amazing that they were getting anything at all yeah you know it's interesting too because um is that there was a joke that came up recently that i'd shared with some friends and we all had a good laugh about it it was um basically accusing the modern generation of like autism didn't exist back in our day mm-hmm. you know the old the old boomer boomer joke haha yeah. Yeah, we all remember aunties and grandparents that were like, no, 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 this is a special silverware. This is a special um, cutlery that exists exclusively in this cabinet and it can't be opened or touched <laughs> and it's never to be used. It's just to be looked at. Really? No autism before modern era, well, right? I mean, it's you know. 
I I come from Ireland. Yeah. And um. Oh, the the Irish myth about it is so fascinating. I was going to ask you to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for segueing without my assistance. <laughs> but this is the thing that like people, it's not that you know autism spectrum disorders didn't exist. It's that we didn't understand understand them. We had no understanding. And there is, I mean, it's quite famous, um, and it's not just in Irish mythology, but in Irish mythology, um, there is a thing called a changeling, which is where uh, your young child, you've got a baby, and when they become a toddler, they don't act like a toddler. And, you know, there's a whole descriptions of what they act like, um, and those descriptions are pretty much a checklist of how autism um is displayed in in toddlers yeah um and in early development and uh they were known as changelings because they believed that the the fey folk had switched their child with a fairy child and what they then would do is you leave the child on a hill overnight and if it survived in the morning it meant that the fairies had brought back your original child I don't think many of them survived yeah. in the morning, unfortunately. Um, and it's also, I mean, you know, it's like pe- people say the same thing. I mean, I know I'm, I'm linking this back to queerness again. It's not, not, I'm not saying that they're connected, but it's a similar situation where people say, you know, there's way more gay people now than there were 30 years ago, 40 years ago, like, you, you know, you can't all suddenly be gay. Why is this happening? And actually, um, it's because they all, you know, first of all, it was not as accept- not acceptable to yeah. be out. And also, so many people died of AIDS. Yeah. So many people had HIV, had AIDS, and there were, literally, it was a, it was an epidemic. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, so people, people will cite, they'll be like, oh, you know, there's not that many people from these generations that are gay. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's because they died in the 80s when no one, when people were too afraid to touch them, to yeah. help them. Um, uh, but you also get statistics about things like left-handedness. Like, people say there's way more left-handed people now. But if you look at the statistics, it's like, you know, a really low percentage of people uh, presenting as left-handed up until the point where it was no longer, like... Criminal punishment, in yeah, with a, with a nun or the yeah, being forced, being, being forced to write with your right hand or yeah. being considered a child of the devil or whatever, yeah. and then it rose to I think seven percent of people, and yeah. then stayed yeah. constant. And the same thing is happening with, with queer people. The same thing is happening with autism spectrum disorders. Epilepsy is another one that you know it was something that was seen as like a sign of possession, possession. Yeah. and you were locked up and whatever. And it's like oh no. Is just a condition that yeah. some people have. Um, so, you know, autism spectrum disorders have been around for a long time. Like, those changeling myths go back hundreds of years, thousands of years, possibly, you know. Um, they're, they're a big part of oral history. The, I think the, the uh, one of the, we did it on the podcast, I think one of the greatest representations of, of the way that we used to treat mental illness being incredibly wrong uh, was an ammonite. Mm. Yeah. Where, absolutely. you know, the husband takes his wife who's clearly got like chronic depression because his child has died um, to the sea to, you know, oh, we'll, we'll perk you up by taking you to the sea. And it's like, no, 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 the reality is is that you have no ability to help your wife heal 
doctors don't have an ability to wife, help your wife heal because they don't understand what is happening because there's so much health stuff that's related to hormones. Mm. You know, uh, uh, post uh, post-mortem. What is it called? Postpartum depression? Uh, like after, your, after you give birth? Yeah, your body just, like, stopped flooding you with hormones and everything, yep. you know, and the big giant crash, and now it's treated like it's a standard symptom of... Yeah. Of, of childbirth, but back in the day it was like, oh, well, clearly your wife's insane. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's um, what's that joke? Uh, um, Doctor, I don't understand. My wife has had f- five children and zero orgasms in her entire life, and she's sad all the time. Well, she's clearly insane. We'll put her in a mental institution, and you can get yourself a new wife. Like, yep, that's that was uh, the 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 Western Western outlook. Mm. In the old days, where women didn't have rights and were basically property. Um, I'm glad we've moved on from that. Um, a lot of people aren't, and they want to take your votes and make sure we go back to them. Yeah. Um, back to the movies. Wow, we've gone on a bit of a tangent here. Well, we haven't gone on that much of a tangent. I mean, it is, I think, very relevant. To we're on the spectrum of a tangent. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to see portrayals back then. Um, yeah. Of things that we now have, you know, even further understanding of, um, and I think it's it's interesting that they don't mention it in um, with the the one that's not Raymond. What's it the called? Wizard. The wizard. <laughs> the other movie. That uh, other movie. Uh, we you, watched you, two. I think you missed it because you can't see it because we're an audio um, media exclusively. Uh, Lisa just waved her hand dismissively, yeah, which was like the other one. That other one. Um, yeah, so the wizard, obviously, they don't mention it, but he definitely is um, displaying, you know, some some behaviours that would be associated with all it's these It's interesting. Disorders. So I'm going to jump a little bit forward in the movie because we've covered everything that's kind of important to set up why the, you know, why the plots are the same and, yeah. the, and the tones and the weird audience that it's aimed at and everything that happened. It turns out... That Jimmy had a twin sister. Yep. And his twin sister died. Yep. In a river. Yep. And that's the point where he shut down. Yeah. So he's clearly suffering from post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder. And him going with his brother and the girl and going around the country and basically hustling punks for 20 bucks... So they can pay more. There's a lot of like, um, you know, country folk to get around to for their trip from to Seattle. Oh no, it's not Seattle to L.A. To L- no, for the Reno. Reno is the, the oh Reno yeah, in yeah. yeah Nevada. Yeah, um, and it's the first time he sort of like starts opening up and realizing that he actually wants to be doing this. Um, you know, his only motivation previously to that was. I want to go to California. Yeah. And there was no one that was going to stop him. Um, and, yeah, it, it's very much like a closed shell syndrome where he lost someone more important to him than probably even his parents. Yeah. Um, and it literally destroyed him. Yeah. And I think, based on what we learn in the movie... Mm-hmm. I think if he his sister hadn't have passed away in that accident or passed away at all, I think he'd be 
I would say normal, but I say normal with air quotes. Yeah, I think he definitely still has an autism spectrum disorder. Because yeah. um, he's not processing that in the same way that someone who is neurotypical would. Yeah. Um, but I think he would, yeah, you're right, I think he would be more, he would um, function better in society than, yeah. than he is at the, you know, when we when we meet him. Um, but it is like, um, you know, and it's in, in both movies, they don't just have an autism spectrum disorder yeah. because obviously in Rain Man, Raymond also has savant syndrome. Yeah. Um, and here in, um, the wizard, Jimmy is clearly suffering from PTSD. Yeah. Um, but both of those are, I was going to say comorbidities. That's not the right term because it's not related to death, but they both, um, are conditions that are connected with and can exacerbate symptoms of um, autism spectrum disorders. So, the, you know, like if, if you have an autism spectrum disorder and you suffer a trauma that triggers PTSD, like it will, it can um, exaggerate your, your behaviours and your symptoms or it can create new ones yeah. um, because your, your brain doesn't process it in the same way that someone else's would. Um, and uh, savant syndrome is highly connected with autism spectrum disorders. It's um, I think the vast majority of people who have savant syndrome either have an ASD or they have a brain injury. Right. Um, it's not, and and this is the thing you were talking about with, you know, people assuming that people with autism are, you know, have these special abilities, or whatever. Which is there is one line in Rain Man which annoys me just when he goes to the doctor and he's like, oh, but does he have any special abilities? It's yeah. like, that's not how it's seen or treated. Um, there's no way a doctor would say that. Like, that's a weird thing for the doctor to say. But... Um, he is a small town doctor. Yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> but the the thing is that, like, people with savant syndrome do have, like, an intense um, interest in and, and uh, abilities in certain areas. But... I think it's one in 200 people with savant syndrome or ASDs have, have one of the, I think it's, it's something like one in 40 people with ASDs have savant syndrome, Yeah. but one in 200 of those have one that makes their abilities better than someone who doesn't have a syndrome or an ASD. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's normally just that they, um, are skilled in one area to the point that they can do that the same as someone who's not suffering from from anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, so you wouldn't quite know it. Like it's it's not. You wouldn't be able to tell from interacting with someone that they that they have savant syndrome yeah. because the assumption that a lot of people have, and probably from Rain Man, because that is a point of reference for a lot of people, is that so everyone with savant syndrome has this like crazy ability to, to like exceed everyone in this one thing yeah, yeah. um but that hasn't come out of nowhere because it's because raymond is based on a real guy yeah who really was like that um or really is i don't know if he's he, I, I hope he's still alive yeah. i haven't looked <laughs> into whether he's still alive or not um but like at the time that they wrote the movie they knew this guy and you know the movie was based or the character was based on this real life person that the writer had spent time with and then Dustin Hoffman spent time with. Um, and I think the guy, the guy that he's based on didn't have an ASD. I think Dustin Hoffman fought for the character to 
be autistic. Right. And wouldn't didn't want to do it any other way. He didn't want him to be an autistic character. Um, because he wasn't originally written that way. Right. But Dustin Hoffman, I mean, we might as well get into this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dustin Hoffman, when he, before he was famous, when he was a, what they call a jobbing actor, where he's doing, you know, he's got a, a day job and then he's trying to get work as an actor on the side. Yeah. Um, he worked for, uh, well, I can't remember what way they phrase it. Well, where have I put it in my notes? I don't know, the ill notes. Talking of uh, jobbing. Psychiatric care home. I was going to say, Tobey Maguire's first day. Oh, yeah! I thought about that. Tobey Maguire's in The Wizard, and he looks exactly the same. It looks like his face has been photoshopped onto a 12-year-old. It's yeah. bizarre. With a mullet. Yeah, with a really long mullet. And he's, and he's one of Lucas's goons. Yeah, he's one of the goons. Um, but yeah, so Dustin Hoffman, when he was a jobbing actor, worked um, at a, as a psychiatric care hospital. So he had a lot of experience with um, people with mental disabilities, mental illnesses, etc., um, and their families and how their families interacted with them. Um, and then when he got this role, so he originally was cast as Charlie. Interesting. Um, and they wanted Bill Murray to play Raymond. That would have been a completely different tonal movie. Yeah. And when Dustin Hoffman read the script, he said, I want to play Raymond. And Bill Murray never read the script. Right. <laughs> and then they ended up with, with Tom Cruise. Um, but Dustin Hoffman then, you know, he said, I want to play Raymond and I want him to be autistic. And he worked, he not only worked with the guy um, that it was based on, uh, Kim Peek um, is his name, but um, he also spent a whole year working with autistic men um, and their families and understanding their relationships and getting to know them and how they functioned and how they interacted with each other and what the relationships were like. And that's why you get, you know, such realistic frustrations and tensions between the characters because, yeah. you know, because um, it's not easy to to live with someone um, who has difficulty functioning in, in the way that we expect people to function in society. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it comes across in the movie how much effort he put into actually, you know, putting in the research and getting and getting to know people who actually do have autistic um, spectrum disorders. Um, and the guy Kim Peek, uh, he's known as a mega savant. Um, so he's like two times larger than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the writer. Um, had 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 met him and well the, so the the writer of the movie, I can't remember if I wrote this down somewhere or not, but the writer of the movie um, had originally done a different movie, um, that was it was it was made and it was based on his own, like it was like written about him pretty much. I don't know. I I don't think I've actually taken this down, so I'm just gonna bullshit my way through this. Um, so I don't remember the name of the movie. I can I can find out, but it was um, the writer of the of the movie had a friend who was autistic, um, and was institutionalized, and he helped him run away from the institution, and that's where he got the idea of doing Rain Man. Right. Um, but he had they had made like a I don't even know if it was a documentary or a dra dramatization of that those events where he's a character himself. And then um, it was when he met Kim Peek and um, 
you know, discovered about savant syndrome and, and, you know, his, his, how good he was with numbers and things like that, that he was like, oh, this is the character I want to write. Yeah. And I want to put him in this, in this movie, which is why then obviously Dustin Hoffman spent a lot of time with him. Um, Really? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to read. Sorry, reading, reading my notes. Yeah, so Dustin Hoffman um, also spent time because, like I said, he was spending time with the families of people as well. So Kim Peek's father was someone that Dustin Hoffman spent time with, and he promised him that um, his his goal was to share Kim's experience with the world. Um, oh, so Kim Peek is dead. Sorry, I've just told oh, that. I'm sorry, um, but. Uh, yeah, because he he became quite well known after the the film was was released as well. So he ended up traveling around the world and um, impressing people with his his memory skills and his, you know, the fact that he could like like um, Raymond does in the movie read a book and just remember it all. Yeah, uh, which I would love to be able to do. I have like books that I would consider my favorite books, and I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened to them nowadays. I'm like, yeah, this is the book. I really like it. It's like, what happened? Mm-hmm. I like the vibes. Um, it was well written. What What was it like? Mm-hmm. I think one of them, Gun. Death, loses his memory and joins the French Foreign Legion. Is that in my favourite book? I don't know. It's a, it happens in... It, his horse has to go find him. His horse has to go find him? Dispoiled. Yeah, I mean, Reaper Man is... I don't know where you're getting this from. Reaper Man is my favourite... It's is the book that I often quote as my favorite book. Yeah. He doesn't join the French Foreign Legion though. Doesn't he? He like he he goes off and calls himself Bill Sands, I think, and just lives on a farm and he uses his scythe that he normally uses for um Maybe it was the T was there an adaptation? Was there a cartoon adaptation? I feel like there was a cartoon adaptation. There might have been a cartoon adaptation. There was cartoon adaptations of, like, Weird Sisters and so I don't know if there was one of Reaper Man. There might have been. I've never seen it. Because that's my memory of it. Um, yeah, you know, he's... Forgets his me- like, loses his memory and joins the French Foreign Legion and his horse named something silly. His horse's name is Binky. Binky, that's right. I have to go find him. Um, I'm misremembering things that... From your memory, that's confusing. <laughs> we've got what's, four what's amazing deep. is I don't think we've talked about this, and yet you were like, I know what your favorite book is. Yeah. <clears throat> Autism spectrum disorders. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, I really like Reverman. Yeah. It is. He's he goes. He just decides to go on holiday, and he lives. He lives on a farm, and he uses his scythe to just like. Cut, cut wheat, I think, yeah. and That's and then, before. yeah, and it's not his horse that comes with. I think his horse is with him, but it's be, um in his absence. I think because the way gods and stuff work in this world, uh, it's when people believe in them they start to kind of manifest. Um, in his absence, there's suddenly like a death of rats and a death of horses and a death of whatever else, and it's the, the death of rats is the one that convinces them to come back. I think in the end. Um, but like also people are dying and then there's no one coming to reap their souls. So they're just like, okay, I'll get back into my body. And then there's a zombie. zombie yeah. yeah. Um, but they're like mild mannered zombies who are just like, well, I guess I'm stuck here. <laughs> anyway, what were you talking about? The autism spectrum. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause there are, you know, people that have special interests, um, it's, it's, you know, you can't count cards with it. It's usually something useless and detrimental to either your 
spare time or your bank account, um, which have been some of my hobbies over the years. Um, it's the thing that I want to move on to right now, yeah. if you allow me. Mm -hmm. uh, the audience has no power. You have no power <laughs> over me. Well, yeah, I guess you could turn me off. Um, the reason the movie is called Rain Man right. is they get trapped in a sleazy, run-down motel on the side of the road. It is referenced earlier on in the movie. Yes. First. But... but Dustin Hoffman's character, Raymond, doesn't go out in the rain. And then Tom Cruise starts pulling things together. He's like, hang on a second. I had an imaginary friend when I was a small child. And that's when it's revealed, that it's revealed like later on that he had a photo of them together. Yeah. Because his, his memory was that, or he, that you know, he, he had never met this brother. He didn't yeah. know the brother existed. Yeah. Um, but he um, had like an imaginary friend called the Rain Man. Yeah. And um, who used to sing to him. Yeah, and then you have this moment where Tom Cruise is going to run himself a bath, and he Ray went, just freaks out. And he's like, "No, you're going to burn the baby. You're going to burn the baby." Yeah, he's like, "Hot water burns the baby." Yeah, and it turns out that the reason that he was put in a home was they were terrified he was going to kill him, like hurt him. Yeah, and you see just, that just by accident, not yeah, like, yeah, not know, intentionally. There was no ma malicious. malice behind yeah. it, um, and you find out later when they finally get to LA, um, they've had their fun gambling trip and have been thrown out of Vegas, thrown out of Nevada, not just Vegas, um, and they go and they go back, and then you know he's just like cooking breakfast and sets the fire alarm off and just panics and tries to smash his head through the glass. Yeah. And I think that's when Tom Cruise's character, who's honestly up until the point where he realizes that the Rain Man and his brother are the same person, yeah, is kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. And it's not unlike Tom Cruise to play piece of shit characters who then by the end of the movie, you're. Like, oh, no, I'm the good guy now. But it's like, no, nah, you've done too much work to be the good guy. You're still, mm. like, a self-centered piece of shit, even if you've learned your lesson and moved yeah. on. I think there's a lot... It's... it's um I think it's well-written, because I think there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of complexities there. Because, yeah. obviously... I mean, yeah, he's a piece of shit to begin with. Yeah. But he also has had a really negative relationship with his father. Yeah. Um, his mother died when he was very young. Mm -hmm. um, he has this opinion that his father never really loved him, never really trusted him or whatever. And, and then there's the reveal that he had this brother all along and that his dad was going to visit the brother all the time and yeah. was letting the brother drive the car and was, you know, being really nice and caring for him and left all this money to him. Yeah. And there's going to be some hurt there that like, oh, why didn't he treat me that way? Yeah. But then you kind of... I think it dawns on him, and it's it's all subtext a little bit yeah. without you know they don't they don't go into too much exposition of it, but that like maybe the reason that he was treated the way he was was because the father was you know had spent eighteen years before his birth because I think there's is there an eighteen year gap? It's a long yeah. Yeah, I think it's an eighteen year gap is what they say, and you know had spent or else that he was eighteen when he went yeah. to the thing, which gets it the sixteen year gap. Um, you know that his father had had been caring for this child who had these special needs um and then is is using the same kind of strict discipline on the younger child yeah. who doesn't even know that this you know yeah. has, has erased from his memory that his older brother exists um and also he's doing it as a single parent after after um his wife died 
And, you know, and it's it's right after his wife died that they send the older son away yeah. because he can't care for both of them. Yeah. Um, and I think to some extent he, by the end of the movie, also has some sympathy for his father and what his father did. Yeah. Um, I still don't think he likes his father and that's totally fair. It seems like his father probably wasn't the nicest of, of fathers or not the best of fathers. It also is from that era of just not being able to talk to your kids yeah. because of... Um, the indoctrination that is given to male children, um, and it, it continues through every single generation, if you can't show any weaknesses, you can't show any emotion, because you have to be the, the pillar that holds up society, which has caused a lot of toxic uh, male behaviour. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also a contributing factor, that he just couldn't be like, hey, look, you know, do you remember your brother be like no it's like well you 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 should remember your old brother like he's you know let's let's go visit you know when he was old enough to understand not waiting until he was 16 to be just like you know screw you dad i'm leaving like yeah that that's very weird to me but then you know again it could be the fact that you know generation difference because if tom cruise is supposed to be you know in his 30s in the 80s that would have mean that I can't remember the numbers. It was like 50s when he was born, right? Who? Dustin Hoffman's character. Uh, would have been, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the the father would have been from the World War Two era, which um, there was a lot of damage done during that era to children. Um, yeah, because I think he says um, Charlie was born in 1962. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So he wouldn't even have been in his 30s yet. What? He was in 62, 20... 88. Yeah, he was in 26. Yeah, so yeah, 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 so, sorry, yeah. Um, so there was a lot of that going on. Um, it's, it's, I think we've spent a majority, like normally, and I, I, I maybe I'm misremembering it, you as the audience will be able to tell us. I think we normally spend more time talking about the worst movie, right. genuinely, and I think we spend more time talking about the good movie in this case. Yeah. It's because in The Wizard, it's just a lot of overly dramatic weirdness. Yeah. And the part that I will, because we're, obviously we're getting near the end of what, you know, sort of the, the key moments in Rain Man, we'll go back to The Wizard for a second. Mm-hmm. So they get to, El- they get to uh, California... They, they're in Los, I think they're in Los Angeles. I'm not sure. When? At, at the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they get to Los Angeles. You know, um, the the dad and Christian Slater are there. Bo, Bo, Bo Bridges is there. Christian Slater's there. The, 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 the mother kid, and the stepfather. The mother and the stepfather are there. The child's... The, the, child's hungry, the hungry child predator is there. <laughs> um, you know, they're on some weird tour... And there's an entire sequence that feels like a rip-off of the begin- like the end of Terminator 1 happens. Where the kids are being chased through like an industrial area, but it's like a movie studio, but there's like fire and moving, cr- yeah. like crushing machinery, and it was and like glowing red eyes, and I was just like, is this not like a like did the writer not like watch Terminator the day before and be like, oh I know it'll be a really cool scene, but just rip off the end of it. <laughs> So, um, 
He, Jimmy qualifies and is the third best player and there's a girl who's, again, weirdly overly sexualized for no reason. Yeah, what the hell is going on with the presenter? The, the presenter of the, the gaming competition is super creepy. Yeah. He's, like, beyond creepy. It's really weird. And he's very, like, callback to an earlier time of America where he's very over-the-top and very showman-y. Mm. Also, by the way, you know the way that... The, the, the kid, the part of the reason I think that Lucas doesn't, it's spoiler alert, Jimmy wins the competition. Yeah. Um, part of the reason Lucas doesn't win, even though he's great before, is that Jimmy has, Jimmy's just picking up whatever game he gets and being yeah. great at it. Yeah. Whereas Lucas has memorized all the tips and tricks for 97 games that he owns. Yeah. Um, and then the in the competition, the, the finals, where they have to compete against each other. Is a reveal. Of the new game from yeah. Nintendo. Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. And that movie is how Nintendo introduced it to US audiences. Yeah, of course it did. Because it had not been released in the US when that movie came out. Um. You imagine <laughs> if we lived in an era like that? Where, oh my where God. games were announced through weird movies, weird Just have like a movies. movie where like... I was going to say, the only one that comes to mind that was like a big thing recently... Uh, there wasn't. Well, it is controversial, but it's not super controversial. You imagine an entire movie based around the reveal of uh, Starfield. Right. Oh my God, it's Starfield! <laughs> like how he did. Like how everyone reacted with the trailer first dropped. Right, right. And they were like, "Oh my God, Bethesda's making a property outside of uh, Fallout." Oh my God. Um, and of course, we got what we got. Um, I've yet to play through it because my computer doesn't have an SSD in it that's big enough to put the game on. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. Um, what a stupid thing. Anyway, you, it's, it's a, you know, anyway. Um, where was I going? Yeah, there would be a very bizarre universe we'd live in if, mm. ga if games were revealed via movie. Yeah. Um, if platforms also had were making enough money to be able to make movies to show off their products anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Nintendo probably are. Yes and no. <laughs> um, you know, because that, that Universal uh, made The Wizard, and then the next Universal um, Nintendo collaboration was the 2023 Super Mario Bros. <laughs> movie that we covered earlier, yeah. or last year. Yeah. That was funny. It's, it's shocking. No, because I, I want to touch on this for a second. Mm -hmm. Game Freak, a.k.a. Pokemon Company, make so much money. Mm -hmm. Like, picture a large amount of money in your head and then double it and then double it again. That's how much money Nintendo companies, like Pokemon Company, make. Yet they crap out a like a basically a Call of Duty copy of Pokemon every year, right. and nothing ever gets better. Mm. Like how far we went from. Um, perfect example for me because I was a huge fan of it. How far we went from um, Monster Hunter, those games that came out that I used to play on my three DS. Yeah. And how far we came with Monster Hunter World. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me a company who... That that game literally saved Capcom from going under. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for the 
like we wouldn't have had any more Capcom. Capcom would have gone down the toilet. It would have been sold to somebody else. They would have put Capcom on a bunch of names and stupid stuff. We would have like a fighting game, which would have been like Marvel versus Capcom versus DC versus, you know, what they did with uh, um, Infamous. You know, it would have been something along those lines. Um, yeah, they just crap out a movie all the time. And it's like, Detective, Detective Pikachu was an enjoyable movie. Mm. I didn't see it for, like, years later. I saw it, I remember it came to Netflix? I think it was on Netflix. Mm. Um, before I watched it, because I was just like, oh, this is a cash grab. And I saw was it like, in the cinema, which yeah, is weird, because like I haven't played any Pokemon games. Yeah. Except Pokemon Go. Oh, my God. Um, I used to be, like, I used to be a huge Pokemon person. Yeah. I used to be obsessed with Pokemon, mm-hmm. and then I just got a game again, yeah. and I was like, there's nothing new. Mm-hmm. Oh, you waited till the console got better, and then you put more mechanics in it. So you didn't make the game better. You didn't improve. You didn't make it better for the audience. And it's like the recent ones have been like super toned down and been real handholdy. And that's not from my personal experience. It's from other people's criticism. Um, yeah. Sorry. Tangent. Back to what I was saying. Jimmy wins. Lucas is disappointed. Underage child is sexualized. Um, everybody agrees that we're all happy ever after. And then... They win... What did they win? $50,000? I will get to that in a second. Oh, okay. Then it's a moment where they're driving home. Jimmy's in with his mother and his stepfather and he starts screaming California and trying to get out of the car while it's moving. So the whole family pull over and he climbs up into, which I'm assuming is a fiberglass dinosaur and um, Fred Savage gets up next to him and he opens, because it revealed when they were getting beaten up by bullies that in his briefcase is just a bunch of memorabilia yes, from his, his dead lunchbox. sister. lunchbox. Yeah. He didn't actually have a briefcase. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, playing too much of that emoji game. Um, uh, movie emoji. Um, revealed it's just a bunch of stuff from his sister. Yeah. And, you photos know, and things. Yeah, photos and I think a show. Anyway, he... Shows Freddie the photo of them together, mm-hmm. and they're all together, sisters alive, and they're on the dinosaur that they're sitting in. Yeah, and he's able to at that point to finally let go because it was the last moment, probably in his mind, where they were all happy, they were all together, and they're all happy. Um, because obviously, the 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 death of the sister, the twin sister, had repercussions on the relationship. Yeah. That's why they're separated. Clearly the mum's not happy with the stepdad because he's like, oh, I'm the man and I'm telling you what you should do with yeah. your special needs son. Like, we need to put him in a home and lock away. Yeah, it's a little bit um, like the, what was it, the Parent Trap movie? where yeah. the And It Takes Two, both when we did the, yeah. those two movies where they both have the, the stepmother who wants to send the children away to a boarding school or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I like you, I, I want to be in a relationship with you, but let's get rid of your child. Yeah. Which is a, not... Good. Yeah, it's a definite negative... Big red flag. Yeah, yeah. Negative 1500 friendship. Um, Yeah, so yeah, he finally is able to process everything, I guess, you know. Yeah. Spending time with his brother, going on this adventure, doing things that make his brother proud. 
because it there are tones of like again why this tonal mismatch of the wizard is so weird mm-hmm. when you watch it because it does have a moment which is very much like my left foot right where he's just like an inconvenience to the family and left in the corner to rot yeah yeah absolutely. Um, for those who don't know is a very famous irish film starring daniel day lewis one of the greatest well, it's actors about a real person of, yeah yeah greatest actors of all time about a real person um yeah, with Rain Man, you sort of get this this nice sort of like, you, like you mentioned earlier, you know, Raymond, do you want to stay with your brother? Yes. Do you want to go home to the, the institution? Yes. See, he can't make the difference, you know. But, you know, he's been able to develop a little bit meta by understanding how jokes work. Um, he learns to dance with his brother and then dances with his girlfriend and ends up kissing her. Um, and then describes it as wet. Yeah. Uh, which you made a funny joke. Yeah, I said it's accurate. Yeah. Um, and I'm just a slobbery guy, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, my throat and my mouth is very dry because I've been talking for a long time. Um, and, you know, so, you know, and, and Raymond likes trains, shiny trains, which is, makes sense. Guy who's terrified about, um, Airplanes. Airplanes and the safety record. Um, and, you know, it's like, he, you know, Tom Cruise lets his brother go. And that's sort of like the end of the movie. And the, that has a, like more like there's going to be stuff that happens after the movie. You know, he, yeah. there's going to be visitation. He's trying to have a relationship with his brother, even though they can't be together all the time. Yeah. Yeah. In the other movie, it's just like your child has won tax-free $50,000. Mm-hmm. There's now... Probably nationally famous. Yeah. People are going to want to talk to your son. Yeah. Who is not going to deal with that very well. Yeah. Who's... Are you going to steal the... As the parents, are you going to split the 50 grand? Yeah. Like, there are so many more questions that are asked Mm -hmm. before the movie ends. Like, how old is Haley and why did she get left alone by a trucker dad? Like, where's it? Like, her mum's dead. And she I, just lives in a trailer with, with the, her dad's on the road all the time? Yeah, I think she's supposed to be about the same age as Corey, which is Fred Savage's character. Yeah. And the child catcher at one point um, references the ages of the two boys. So he says that Jimmy is nine and Corey is 13. So I assume Haley's supposed to be 13 or 14. Yeah. Um, I think, she, you know, if anything, she's slightly older rather than younger. I don't think she'd be a 12-year-old. I'd say she's yeah. maybe supposed to be 14. Still disturbing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's the whole... Literally, it's stuck in my mind when she's... When they ask about her mom and she's like, oh, she's, you know... I she doesn't say she's passed away. She says... I can't remember what way she phrased it. It's really weird. She said something really weird. And then she's just like, oh, she was a showgirl. Great legs. And then she's like, I've got her legs. Do you like them? Or something like that. And it's like, yeah. what are you talking about? It's like, um, it's just like regurgitated stuff. Yeah. But then there's the, the bit where she, you know, in a, in a bid to, to stop the child catcher from running away with Jimmy. Because he's just walked into a casino and picked up this child. Yeah. Which, I mean, in fairness, if Jimmy just screamed, people would be like, what the hell's going on? Um, but she screams and says, he touched my breast. Yeah. And then people see him and he's like, I didn't touch anything while he's holding another child who's yeah, trying yeah. to get out of his arms. Yeah. Um... There's a throwaway line later where he's like on the phone. Somebody's like, "She says I touched her breast. Doesn't even have any breasts." Yeah. Which is what a weird statement to make, but it obviously 
she is it's she's not one hundred percent just regurgitating, so she has some understanding of what she's saying. Yeah. Um, and it's just I feel like it says a lot about her uh just her living situation. Because like you said, most of her friends are adult truckers and um she knows about gambling and she yeah. lives she lives in Reno or just outside of Reno. Yeah. Um, which is which is, you know, one of the cities people go to to gamble. You've got Reno and Las Vegas, both in Nevada, and then Atlantic City in New Jersey. I think um, there's that famous quote is um, about going to Reno is when you shoot a man just to watch him die. <laughs> pretty sure that was pretty famous. I yeah. remember who yeah. said it. Uh, <laughs> um, that was a joke. It's Johnny Cash. Yeah. No, but Nevada is one of the few states where gambling is legal. And I encouraged. It, yeah. Um, so people travel there specifically to gamble. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's interesting that they, you know, is she could just make the money off gambling, but they do get, they do get kicked out of the casino as well after they've made a little bit and pay that, pay a commission to their adult friend who was able to do it for them because he can't set foot on the carpets in those places unless you're over 21. Yeah. I cannot tell you the amount of times I got ID'd in Vegas. Because I had short hair and was wearing a baggy hoodie and people assumed I was like a, a 13-year-old boy. Yeah. When I was, you know, not that. <laughs> I was in my, well into my 20s. Um, people aren't good at judging ages unless you're like clearly obvious. Yeah. Like I mean, I, I look young anyway, but I think yeah. if you perceive me as male, I look younger. Yeah. Because um, I, I got ID'd for buy. I think I bought two like single beers because like at the supermarket they used to have like i don't know i don't drink anymore but they used to have like a you know imported beer that was like in singular cans yeah um they were always very expensive and always very exciting to try and i got id'd on my 13th 30th birthday i was gonna say 13th 30th <laughs> birthday and um the kid who was probably like 19 who id'd me was just like Hey, can I see your ID? And I was like, yeah, sure, man. Read the date. And he's like, okay. Like, thinking, like, that's what I'm doing, bro? Like, what are you talking about? And then he looks at it. And then he looks at it. And then he looks at it. And he's like, uh, happy birthday? And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my my favourite is the time I got ID'd buying tacos and they wouldn't sell me tacos. Yeah. Have I told you that story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were trying to buy tacos in a bar. Well, I was... It was, um... I was sitting outdoors at this place and I went in to buy, it was a taco Tuesday. I went to buy some vegan tacos and they said, can we see your ID? And I said, I'm just buying tacos. And they were like, yeah, but you need ID to be here. Which was funny because there was a family with multiple small children sitting next to us right. and they were not ID'd. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why the small children were allowed to be there. Um, and then I tried to show them my driving license, but at the time it was when I'd only been here for a short while. So I only had... I still have my Irish driving license. I think yeah. as well as on a, a working holiday visa. So I obviously wasn't going to, you know, when I when my future was unclear, I wasn't going to yeah. change up my license situation. So I had my Irish driving license and they were like, oh, we can't accept that here. Which is horseshit. Oh, no, it's uh, it's legal in New Zealand. You can't accept foreign licenses as, as um, photo ID for breaking purposes and things like that. No, no, I was talking about the fact that you had to get, you got ID to oh, buy yeah. a taco. The fact that I got ID to buy a taco, and then it was funny because a, a friend of mine who, um, a friend of yours now as well, who was a, my, my former flatmate, not at that time, but 
you know, in the meantime, some, somewhere between then and now, we were flatmates. Yeah. Um, went and bought me tacos instead and said, you know, oh, if they ask me anything, I'll just say I'm your dad. Um, which is <laughs> funny because I think there's a two-year age difference. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just thought it was very funny that I was literally, they literally refused to serve me tacos. All I wanted was, like, two vegan tacos. And then when I got them, they weren't even that nice. I don't think I've ever been back to that place and since. And never will. Yeah. And then they closed. I did go... No, are they, are they closed? And then they burned down. No, I no. Know. No, I think they're still open. I, I did go back during Cuba Dupa one day. Not not to them, but, like, uh, there was stalls and stuff in that area, and I bought a uh, house of dumplings. I had a stall, and I got some dumplings, and the person ahead of me in the queue was Jermaine Clement. Right. Yep. And I was like, oh, he likes these dumplings, too. Maybe the dumplings, dumplings were nicer than the... Tacos. The tacos. The dumplings were not connected to the tacos, just being served in that general area. Anyway, that's was, gotten onto a weird tangent now. Was, yeah. Um, <laughs> was Jermaine Clement better than the tacos? Oh, uh, what? Just seeing him was a better experience than... Oh, yeah, I guess so. And then well, what was fun was then he went over and sat with his friend, and I was like, oh, wait a second, that's not just his friend, that's Brett McKenzie. Um... <laughs> So the two of them were hanging out with their kids, I think, which is yeah. which is sweet. They're just you know, and in typical New Zealand fashion, just sitting yeah. publicly eating dumplings and no one paying any attention to them. So, is there any trivia for the wizard? Because it's yeah. getting mighty warm in this room. Oh yeah, we're getting it's becoming a long episode as well. Yeah. Um, we already mentioned this about the autism spectrum disorder. Um, the other things I had on here were first of all, um. The casino in Reno rejected filming rights multiple times. They said they didn't, wouldn't let them film there. And then they eventually got the permission to shoot in that casino um, because they let a state official's kids meet Fred Savage because he was on the Wonder Years at the yeah. time. And the kid and this like a state official's kids really wanted to meet Fred Savage. They're like, oh, we'll let you meet Fred, Fred Savage. We'll let your kids meet Fred Savage if you'll get this casino to give us permission to film. So I thought that was funny. Um, and the, the kids then were filmed in the scene as extras, I think. Right. But they're but um, it, it was cut from the movie. Okay. <laughs> they're not even in it. Um, the other thing was that I thought this was funny because you did bring it up earlier. The casserole, your fave. Yeah. Um, the way you were saying it's smoking and stuff. Um, so the effects of the the smoke coming off the casserole was a an early um technique called AB smoke. So they apply a chemical to the surface. And then, right before they film, they apply a, se- a second chemical and they react with each other and creates the smoke effect. Yeah. Um, but they also produced, like, a horrible smell and a really bad taste. Yeah. So when Bo Bridges bites into it, that's his legitimate reaction yeah, to yeah. eating the weird chemicals. <laughs> so it's not just, you know, comical that the, the, the stuff tasted bad. Um, it legitimately tasted awful because it was just a weird mix of chemicals to make special effects on it. It looks like... Hot dogs and mac and cheese is what he made. And then baked <laughs> it know. in a casserole. It was this, such a weird... It was a very weird looking meal. Not not something that you want to eat. Yeah. Would be my, my thing. Um, in terms of Rain Man, um, one of the facts that I thought was funny was um, that the sequence where he talks about all the different statistics of airline accidents yeah. has been cut from in-flight viewings 
of the movie. Like that one thing, <laughs> except for one airline. Qantas. Qantas, who not only keep it in there, but they, uh, when one of the movie's writers was flying Qantas, they promoted him to first class when they realized that he was traveling on their airline. Nice. To say, like, thanks <laughs> for promoting him. And also, it's a true fact. Um, at the time, uh, Qantas had never, had, had never lost any jet airliners. Today, in 2023, they still have never lost any jet airliners. Yeah. They've kept that, that record. Well done, Richard Brent. No, he's virgin. He's virgin, yeah. Oh, I don't know who runs Qantas. Probably a greedy corporate scumbags. Oh, they always are. Um, but I thought that was funny. That, um, yeah, that, that all the other airlines cut it from their yeah, yeah. info. I mean, in fairness, it's like... You know, not the kind of thing you want to be reminded of. While <laughs> yeah, you're while flying. you're on the plane. But I, I was on a plane once where they had the first season of Lost as something you could watch. <laughs> I was like, I would not want to watch that on a plane. <laughs> like, why would you sit down and be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna watch this this show where the whole premise is about a plane crash. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Um. I think I've covered a lot of the stuff around. Um. You know, Justin Hoffman's process um there was one thing where he was not sure he was very unsure of the potential of the film and his own performance so a few weeks into the project he um he decided he wanted out and he spoke to barry levison the the director and said you know get richard dreyfus or somebody just this is the worst work of my life i just let me out of this um and then he won an academy award for best actor um so it obviously wasn't (laughs) the worst work in his career uh it's Hans Zimmer's first score for a Hollywood production, which is which is fun, um, and clearly the music in The Wizard is a a rip off of the music in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so weirdly similar. It I don't understand it. Um, another fun one is the you know when they're in the doctor's waiting room and there's the old man like it starts mid sentence the old man talking to him about Pony Express and just kind of rambling on. Yeah, that's not an actor. That's just a guy who was there when they got there who just started talking to them. And then <laughs> and then they were like, let's just start rolling. Um, because they wanted to just... Like, that was his favourite subject to talk about, apparently. They wanted to just keep it in there and keep it real. Um, so they just let him, let him keep talking. Uh, so all of his dialogue is not scripted. It's just what he wanted to say about Pony Express at the time. And they just filmed the scene with him still going. Which I think is very funny. His name is Byron P. Kavnar. He was 89 years old, and he was a local who was just in the waiting room. Fair. Yeah. Um, yes, that's fun. Uh, and I think we've covered everything else that I had put on there. Um, and then in terms of budget and box office, would you like to guess at the budget of either of these films? Um, unfortunately, I'm just reading the information about <sighs> the fact that it was... Terrible. There was a 2.5 hour long original cut, which had a bunch more extended backstory of the characters. Of which one? Uh, the Wizard. Right. I don't think I could have handed 2.5 hours of that movie. Yeah, the the writer-director didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, he kept asking them to, could we cut the script down? And then the, the um, I guess the Universal wanted, insisted that they, they, they record, they filmed the entire thing, and then it was cut down in the editing room later. Yeah. Um... But the the actual director wanted it to be cut in the script, never mind. And then they insisted on filming the whole thing, which is bizarre. But the budget of it was $6 million. Yep. And it made $14 million at the box office. Yep. So that's, it made more than double. You know, it made... It did, it did decent. 
Uh, Rain Man, on the other hand, uh, budget was $25 million. Um, $3 million of which was Tom Cruise's paycheck. Of course. Um, <laughs> and at box office, so apparently at box office initially it only made $6 million on the, at first, and then, because um, people, I think people didn't know about it or didn't want to do it, and then it yeah. got around by word of mouth and eventually ended up making $354.8 million total. Um, but it was like, a, it was almost going to be a bomb, mm. just because people didn't know about it or weren't interested in it or you know it didn't seem like something that was going to be a big film and it won four oscars and then was nominated for four others that it didn't win so it was a pretty yeah pretty well received film at the time for those who have joined us um in 2024 Mm -hmm. and you've gone back to the beginning of the year thank you thank you for sticking with us for those who are continuing on our journey through many movies that are the same Thank you for sticking with us and I hope you enjoy the rest of this year as more episodes come out and as we get highly anticipated movie releases that I'm super hyped for, mm-hmm. uh, mainly Dune Part 2. Which um, was supposed to be this episode. Yes, indeed. The, the, the delay. Yeah. The um, delay. Well, you know, it's better to put out a movie. It's unlike video games, you can't do updates. Yeah. You can't update a movie. While it, while you own it. I mean, people have done that though. Yeah. Which is weird to me. Yeah. They've changed it, and and so people who saw things on opening weekend are different. Saw a different movie to other. Yeah. It's bizarre to me that we live in a world where that happens. Censorship. I'm not saying censorship. I'm saying people <laughs> have changed. So sometimes people have cha- like edited are still editing the movie when the initial we you know box office weekend comes up or whatever opening weekend. So I just had a, like, DNA memory. What was it? DNA memory? I don't know. Just throwaway thing with an, an ad-lib with a throwaway thing. I've gone off, I've gone off script. Ugh, I've gone off script. Did you have a script? Um, we both have scripts. I've this never, is had, a, this I've is never a script. had a script. This is a scripted show. You, what are you talking you about? You had a script this whole time. Yeah. Um, and then we fart. And then we ad-lib about it. Yeah. No. There was a movie released with no CGI in it. I feel like it was a Marvel property. Intentionally, or like it was leaked. Oh, I if you like... know what that movie is, join in on Discord and pl- and uh, make a comment where you can, if, if you can't. Um, Wolverine Origins. No, is it Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's just someone's edit of it online. It put yeah. that thing. Oh no, it is. Yeah, Wolverine Origins. Prior to its theatrical release, a full-length word print of the film was leaked online. With that, without the CGI portions. There you go. Yeah. Oh, sorry, X-Men Origins Wolverine is the actual name of the movie. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Like it was going to be a series. Yeah. The first 30 seconds of that movie is, well, the first, the opening crawl of that movie is better than the entire rest of the movie put together. (laughs) Um, Goodbye, I guess. Yeah. See, no. Hear from you soon. That's more open-ended. All right. Goodbye.